Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, what's up, everybody? Good morning. Welcome to Transformation Church. It is good to be in the house of God with you. And uh, today's an amazing day. It's one of my favorite Sundays of the year called Five and Five, where we have five communicators from our church right here in the house, bringing the word of God. Uh, yeah, come on, give it up for these guys. They've been praying and seeking God, and, and we don't take it lightly. We, be, we seek God and ask who he'd have bring the word, and so I've already got to hear it several times, and there's, there's something in it for you. Let me just say this. God has something for you today. God, I, he might not have everything for you, but he's got something for you today. And so I would encourage you, open up your heart, uh, be a receiver, not a resistor. Come on, sometimes we, we kind of sit back and I'll be a receiver today and uh, let God speak to your heart. I just I heard this in my spirit for you today, that, that literally God's going to drop faith into your life today to break through any mountain or come against any kind of thing that's been trying to hinder or slow you down. Uh, there's a scripture in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, where a man named Zerubbabel was trying to build a life, build the house of God and build a life. And, and he makes a statement. He he says there was a lot of hindrance to building a life. Come on, how many ever had any, any hindrances to building something God's told you to build? And, and at one point, Zerubbabel, uh, God tells him to question the mountain. And he says, who are you, O mountain, before my God? Before, really, he says, before Zerubbabel. Who are you, O mountain? And so I would just encourage you, I would dare you to question your mountains today. I would dare you to make them identify themselves and let God speak something to you that actually causes you to rise up in faith and challenge any mountain that's trying to resist or stand in your way. Who are you, O mountain, before Zerubbabel? The story goes on, and supernaturally, they were able to build the house of God in 53 days, which was impossible. They had been going at it for years. They began to shout grace, grace to the actual stone of the house of God, and it supernaturally came together. I just want to encourage you. Some of you just need to begin to shout grace, 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 grace to my marriage, grace to my kids, grace to my heart, grace to my mind. Man, God's going to do something in your life today. And so I want you to give a big, big, big transformation shout out. Come on, stand to your feet and give God some praise and give them some praise for the five and five as they bring the word today. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so honored and pleased to be here this morning to try to speak to you today and, and, and share a little bit what's on my heart. Uh, we were all given a, a scripture, a subject. I think it's all con, con, uh, concerning seeking the Lord. And the scripture they gave me was uh, Psalms 27 and 4, which reads, One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And that's a beautiful verse. And as a Christian, as we seek God, that about sums up or as the core of what we want to do. We want to seek him. And as we seek him, we want to be with him. And, as, and, that, and from that comes the, the uh, foundation of everything that we do. But how do we seek him? What do we do when we seek him? And as we know in this life, we have a lot of things going on. There are a lot of things to do. And we have a, a plate that is full. But as we seek God, is there something else added to our plate? Or do we carve out a space and make it special for him? Because a lot of times God wants us not to just function in life, he wants us to flourish in life. And we have to make a place for him in order to, in order to flourish. Because I know that when we come to church and when we serve, we, and we do the uh, outreach, are we, just, are we just checking off something 
dotting our crossing the T, or are we really making it part of somebody's life to, to make a difference? And I know for me, as, as I grew up, I always felt like I was functioning. I always seemed to, I grew up in church and I always seemed to not be able to get what I needed. Not being able, being able to see other people, bless other people, uh, uh, have for other people. It was almost as if it was a glass and I seen things happening that I couldn't break through. And I just couldn't figure out why. I also struggled with alcoholism since I was a little bitty boy. But it wasn't to the point where it was debilitating. I was able to function. I was able to have a job. I had a wife and kids. And I looked the part. But I, didn't, I wasn't living the part. And I didn't know what I could do. I kept trying. I kept trying. I kept trying. Not really knowing what was going on or how I was supposed to do it. I fast forwarded my life. I was about 40 years old. I had a new wife, two children to raise. And I said, I got to try this God because at least I want my children to know God. And me and God, I started talking again with him. And I asked, and I asked him to deliver me. I asked him to, to all these things. And one day in my home, I heard God saying the audible voice of God for really the first time in my life. And he said, I have something for you to do, son, and you can't do it drinking. It was so profound, I accused my wife of setting up speakers, disguising her voice. <laughs> it, it took a few minutes for us to calm down for me to come back to myself. And I said, okay, God. And I literally shook my fist at the ceiling. I said, if that's you, you're going to have to do it because I'm tired. This is old to me, and I'd almost determined that this is the life I was going to have for the rest of my life. I was able to make it four days sober. For me, that was like a lifetime. I made it to that Sunday, and we went to church. We had only been going to church for a couple weeks, and, 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 this, and this man prayed for me, and God changed my life. I didn't share this the first service, but I'm sharing it now, the exact thing that happened, the feeling of it. It was as if there was a tug of war going on. I, I, felt, I felt myself literally leave my body and spiritually, and I felt a tug of war pulling and tugging, pulling and tugging to the point where my, I had a cramp in my stomach. And all of a sudden, I felt a, 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 a clashing, I heard a clashing of a cymbal, and a light came on, and it was gone. Whatever was there, God took it from me. I felt like the, as they were singing earlier, the battle. He, 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 he went to battle for me, and he won. He won. And the difference... And the only difference was I surrendered. I let him do it. I, I, didn't, I didn't try to do it myself. I put him first. I made, a place for him. I made a place for him. When I made a place for him and I surrendered to him, he did it for me. He did everything that I had been trying to do for probably over 30 years. He did it in like 30 seconds. And it, and it was amazing. And from this day to that day, I wake up sober. And it's new, it's new to me this morning as it was 18 years ago. And that's how long it's been. And I've been sober for 18 and, and, and now instead of coming to church and serving, instead of it being part of something I do, it's what I want to do. It's what I desire to do. And it went from an obligation to a pleasure. It went from, and, and everything that I do, I, I, want, I want to make a difference in people's lives. I want, to make, I want to see people's lives change. And it's like this. We all struggle with something, no matter what it is in life. But we're just, just life happens. But whatever it is, put God first. Call out a place for him. Because we serve a God that can do anything, any place, any time. And if there's, there's no special time or place. It's just God just wants, he wants, wants our heart. He wants us to put him first. And I, I challenge each and every one of you, whatever you're facing, put God first and do for him, and he will, he will make things happen for you. And it's, it's, it's as if, like, every day I, I wake up, it's like God literally, he, he reached down, and he picked me up out of all the mess, and he put me here, and he separated me from all the stuff. I still have to live. I still have to deal with things. But the separation that I have, I'm able to see it through God's eyes, not through my eyes. And that's, and that's when they say, do you see what I see? I see that God has separated me, and he can separate you. And I'm not special. God's special. And he, he, he has a willingness and a want to do it for everybody. Because I say again, let us, let us not just function. Let us flourish. And the only way we can flourish in life is to put God first and make a place for him on our plate. Thank you.
Hey, hey, hey. Hello. <laughs> Hello, my name is Andrea Bird, and I will be speaking on the verse Jeremiah 29, 13, as we continue to discuss the amazing desire to speak the Lord. So the verse reads, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. This verse really hit home for me because about a year ago, I decided I wanted to get baptized again. And the reason I wrote down for wanting to make this pub public declaration once again was that I knew it with my head that God was real, but only believed 50% with my heart. Now that I've given God that full 100% of my heart, I want to express that outwardly by being baptized today. When I finally started seeking God with my heart, it made it where I had to get in a vulnerable place with him. And then I was able to see the extent of his goodness. But here's the great part. This verse is a promise that when we seek him, we're going to find him when we seek him with our whole heart. So what's holding you back? For me, it was some vulnerability and stirring up some things I still wanted to kind of keep concealed. So I thought for a long time that I was actually seeking God, but I really wasn't. I established my own terms and conditions of how that was going to go, and it didn't work out for me. Until I finally let my walls down, and I fully put my heart in it for the first time. So I'm going to give you three questions to ask yourself today. If you feel like you've been seeking God, but you haven't quite grabbed him yet, and what walls you might have up around your heart that you haven't really realized and need to kind of tear down. My first question to you is, is God a best friend to you? He wasn't truly a BFF to me until about a year ago. He was more like an acquaintance, someone I knew, he knew about me, but he knew a lot more about me than I knew about him. And I didn't really trust him. Um, life got hard, and I just couldn't understand why the creator of the universe just couldn't fix all my problems. I took every opportunity to not get intentional with God, instead make him a complaint box because that was way easier. Unboxing my pain to someone I didn't know, yeah, no thanks, I'm okay. Um, so why did I make it that way? Well, the thing is God will hunt you down, that's for sure, but it's, uh, it's not a one-sided thing. It requires both people have to be in it. So he isn't a complaint box. He's not a vending machine. He's your best friend and your number one supporter. And when you actually make it a relationship, that's when your walls come down around your heart. That's because you started to seek him and you found him because you used your whole heart. It can be that simple. So I challenge you to make God your closest friend. My second question to you is, have you put yourself in vulnerable positions with God? I was really weird about praise and worship when I was in middle school and high school. I had the fear of embarrassment of being in somebody's way. And as I said, like, I still, you know, was a believer. I had the Holy Spirit stirring up stuff in me. But, like, I just let the devil whisper in my ear a little bit too much. I had the fear that if I had my hands up in the air that the person behind me would be in their way. Or if um, I was singing too loud, I knew it was going to be out of tune. And I may have a degree in music. I cannot sing. Um, <laughs> and that was just the perfect time to go to the bathroom for the next five minutes and 37 seconds. So why did I make it that way and make it so hard to get vulnerable with him? It's because I had embarrassment. And when I take a step back and I look about how I was approaching seeking God, I really wasn't. I established my own terms and conditions. So finally, I was threw that out the window. I was like, I am getting, making myself get out of prayer by saying I'm sleepy. I'm getting out of the word by saying I'm exhausted. I'm not going to get anything out of it. Or I can't worship because I'm going to have my hands in the way of someone behind me. Threw that out the window, and now I can say I get on my hands and knees, raise my hands before the Lord during worship, and I don't care what anyone thinks. Not at all. I'm a crier. Exhibit A was like 10 minutes ago. So I just don't care what other people think. And I just think to myself, he gave me a promise that when I seek him with my whole heart, I'm going to find him. So I encourage yourself to ask some questions like I did of, why am I afraid what other people think when it's only God I should really care about? 
My last question to you is, are there any walls up around your heart you're too afraid to bring down? Pain's awful. Unpacking it's even worse. But until you can establish um, trust or relationship with God and seeking him intentionally with your heart, it's going to be hard. Let's just be honest. The more you bury something, the harder it is to get up. Or any wall you put all these bricks and pile it so high, it's going to get really high and daunting. But here's the great part. When you need somebody else to help boost you up over that wall because it's too tall, God's going to be that person every single time. Every single time. So let God in. Use your whole heart. And just remember, he gave you a promise that when you seek him, you will find him when you seek him with your whole heart. And that's every time. Good morning, church. I'm Erin, and about a year and a half ago, my handsome husband, Tony, which he told me I had to say that during the second service, but he is handsome. <laughs> we were looking to the next season of our lives. We had one daughter that was starting college and one son that had two years left in high school. And don't get me wrong, we love the kids, but we were really excited. <laughs> uh, so while we hadn't yet bought our Sprinter van, the plan was we were gonna drive across the country and work remotely. I mean, I decked that thing out on my Pinterest boards like it was mentally already there, <laughs> totally already there. But God had totally different plans in place for us. It was a future that we never would have considered and had never crossed our minds, and that was foster care. So out of obedience, we started doing all the things, right? So we did trainings, mountains and mountains of paperwork, modifications to our home, but nothing could have prepared me for what was next. So when I got my verse, which I'll read to you in a minute, uh, for this five and five, it couldn't have been more appropriate. This has been a humbling season of spiritual growth where God has been teaching me three things. First is to seek him in my suffering. Second is to seek him in my silence. And last is to seek him in service. And I got really brave and I picked the message translation. So if you know anything about that, it's like super long usually. So here we go, strap in. All right, so Colossians 3, 1 to 2 says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life to Christ, then act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground. Absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. You see, while all our friends around us were encouraging us, like, yeah, go get that man, right? Enjoy that empty nest, God had a lot more in store for us. He had bigger plans, just not quite yet. <laughs> so it caught me by a huge surprise to have such a clear calling on our lives, what our future was supposed to look like, then be faced with a season of really deep suffering. And I'm betting some of you out there today have had a calling on your life, and you're doubting it. And I hear you, and I see you, and I want to leave you with something from the other side of all that suffering. And believe me, I threw a spiritual hissy fit. It was impressive, right? So let's talk about this. Don't do what I did, which is eyes to the ground, slinking around, right? So I was all focused on one thing, the suffering, when I should have been focused on our Savior. So what I'm gonna encourage you to do is focus on him, because when you do, as believers, that's where we find joy. It's the kind of joy that it doesn't matter what our circumstances is. It's the kind of joy that's described in James 1, 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. 
because you know that the testing your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So I, st- I found joy, right? But I was still lacking something vital and that came after a time of silence. So you can kind of imagine at this point, I was pretty confused, right? Clear calling and all that. And then I started to hear nothing. Not actually nothing, it was more like static on AM radio. Um, and it went on for so long that I started believing the enemy so much to the point that worship music felt like it was mocking me. So if you're out there today and during worship, you felt like those words and those promises was for everybody but you, you're not alone, okay? Keep seeking him in that silence. Because when I did, it was a game changer. I mean, I started waking up with worship songs in my head. I had this peace throughout my entire being. It was as if God had just reached down and turned the dial. And I'd been on AM and all along he'd been on FM talking loud and clear. And then all of a sudden we're on the same frequency, but it was a holy frequency. And what he was teaching me during that time was to trust him. Because I trust him with parts of my heart, but I didn't trust him with any, everything. Gotta trust him with everything. I needed to etch Psalm 62, eight on my heart. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. So y'all are probably thinking I'm a mess, which I am, for the record. You're totally right. Because he had to teach me through suffering and silence, and it's been especially true in service. So no matter where or how you serve, you've got to be trusting God and relying on him for that because it's through his power, not our own, right? Just like 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Fostering has been this daily reminder of my Christian identity and my need for the gospel. My family has an awesome opportunity to be a blessing to kids and to caseworkers, and in doing so, point them back to God. Church, we're here to be transformed in the image of Christ. And seeking him continually, we start to look a little bit more like him. Because Jesus never stopped seeking the Father. Not in suffering, not in silence, and definitely not in service. He had joy, he had trust, and complete reliance on the Father, and so should we. So, in closing, Pastor Jamie was going to use this really dramatic buzzer, and I was ready. I was so nervous. So, this was going to be my buzzer beater. So, (laughs) thank you. Uh, While we didn't get that Sprinter van, our family got so much more that we can ever ask for, and that included a second daughter. Good morning, church. How was that worship this morning? Yes. All right. Well, my name's Benton, and I just want to say I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to come up here and speak to you guys with what God's put on my heart this morning. Today, we're going to be talking from Luke chapter 19, verse 10. That verse says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. I think this passage of Scripture is one of the most impactful verses that illustrates the character and compassion of our Savior. I mean, just take a moment and look at the events leading up to the culmination of this verse. Zacchaeus was a man that in society's standards had it all. The money, the property, the prestige, and every outward presentation, his life was good. However, on the inside, he was empty, hollow, hungry, and looking for true fulfillment. How do we know that? 
This man literally climbed a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. How many of you in life have climbed trees per se in order to get a glimpse of something truly great? What I love about this is that Jesus saw Zacchaeus' attempt. He saw his heart. He saw past his outward appearances and penetrated to what was really within. When everyone else looked at Zacchaeus, they looked down upon him. They looked down upon him because of his job as a tax collector. He was looked upon as filthy, dirty, and disgusting. What some would say, the scum of the earth. But Jesus. Jesus spoke directly to him and said, take me to your house for tonight I will dine with you. How many times in your life have you felt unqualified, unworthy, or unable to bring yourself to the feet of Jesus? Do you know that he is sitting there waiting for you just to surrender and allow him the opportunity to take up residence in your heart? He is waiting for you to just climb out on a limb to get a better glimpse so that he can look you directly in the eye and say, take me to your house. I would like to challenge everyone in here today. Do you realize that you may very well be the only Jesus that people in this world ever meet? Are you walking in this world demonstrating the example of Christ when others in society may deem them a waste? Do you carry yourself in a way that demonstrates the love, compassion, and transformative power only found in Jesus? You see, up until eight and a half years ago, I personally didn't even believe God existed. Why, you might ask. It's simple. Because of all those around me that would try to talk to me about this Jesus character were the same people sitting at the table with me getting high. They would be living a hypocritical life, going to church on Sundays just to check off a box as if it were some type of self-affirmation that they had received a golden ticket into the kingdom of heaven, like church was some type of social status. Why would anyone want that? Why would anybody find that attractive? From what I could see, there was no genuine sincerity in their hearts. You see, I've been what others may say is a waste or a lost cause, and I most assuredly was the black sheep of my own family. At a young age, I found my fulfillment in drugs and alcohol. By the age of 15, I was a daily user. At the age of 18, I served four years in the Tennessee State Prison System. And upon my release, I found myself homeless, sleeping on the streets of downtown Knoxville with a $1,000 a day drug habit. I've eaten from trash cans. I've sold myself to both men and women in an attempt to support my habit. Until one day, I finally met a man who truly walked out what he believed. After watching this man for about a year, I finally asked him. I said, Kevin, I said, I don't know what it is that you have, but I have to have it. If I don't, I'm going to overdose and die, or I'm going to spend the rest of my life back in prison. I had reached the point in my life that the only option I had was to climb out on that limb in hopes of catching a glimpse of something truly great. So again, I ask you, are you aware that you may very well be the only people that Jesus, that this world will ever meet. Because if you are a Christian, you carry the very thing that will truly seek out and save those who are lost. Lives depend on you. My life depended on someone just like you. I was trying to fill a void in my heart that could only be filled with the communion from my creator. That hole was never meant for a false sense of euphoric pleasure. It was meant to be filled with the purpose, pleasure, and power of God. So I ask you, what trees in life have you fought to get to the top of in hopes of finding Jesus? You know, I find it interesting that in the Bible, it, it makes a, a blatant statement to point out and say how short in stature Zacchaeus was. How many of us in life have felt like we couldn't measure up to come to God? Jesus looked directly at Zacchaeus and told him to quickly come down because he wanted to be a guest in his home. You see, I don't think he cared anything about having dinner in his house. I think he wanted to dwell in his heart. 
Church, we are surrounded by a world filled with hurt, anger, and brokenness. People trying to fill their holes in the hearts with, the, with everything in an attempt to just get by. They need Jesus, and we have what they need. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus doesn't walk, Jesus doesn't walk the streets anymore. He fills his people like you and I with his purpose, power, and promise so that we may go out into this world and be the example of heaven on earth. Do you know how many people are looking for Jesus but don't know how to ask or aren't even sure they can come to him because of their sins, feeling as though they don't measure up? They are climbing trees just to get a glimpse. Are we looking back at them and saying, take me to your house and let's eat? Or are we merely allowing them to be lost in the crowd? We don't gather together like this as a social experiment. We don't come to church to give ourselves a false sense of affirmation that is simply enough to get us into the kingdom. We come so that we may be filled with the fullness of God, only to be poured out into someone else's cup. So I ask you, whose cup are you pouring into today? Before I prepare to close, I want to remind you that Jesus came to seek us. Are we allowing him the opportunity to find us? Are we giving everything that we have to him in surrender? We have an altar. This isn't in a stage, so I encourage you to use it. We have a prayer team. Come and get prayer. No matter how small you may think your problem is, our God concerns himself with every detail of our lives. So as I close this morning, I want you to ask yourself, who are you seeking? Who are you helping to get saved? And whose lives are you pouring into so that it may truly be transformed? Thank you. So good. Guys, the gospel is so good. It is called good news. And I'm thrilled to tell you that that goodness is for you. Because today, you see, today God is handing out invitations. I'm talking invitation of the century. The golden ticket to the thing that you do not want to miss. He is inviting each and every one of you into a dynamic, destiny-shaping relationship with himself. And so this morning, I want to look at Luke chapter 11, where Jesus unpacks what it looks like to accept the Father's invitation to intimacy. He says this, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus makes it clear that accepting the Father's invitation to intimacy requires action on our part. And not just one-time action, but ongoing action, right? Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Which makes sense if you think about relationships. Your best relationships are the ones that you put work into, right? The people you build trust with. When my life gets hard, I don't call up my third cousin that I see once every four or five years at a family reunion. I and mean, we have fun together. It is a blast. But our connection is inconsistent, right? Our history together is sporadic. My go-to people are the people who are invested in my life consistently, and I in theirs. By instructing us to seek and keep seeking, Jesus makes it clear that our relationship with the Father is one of ongoing action, where we engage with him and he engages with us day after day, year after year. But can we be honest for just a second about the temptation to take more of a passive position in our relationship with God? Kind of like playing fetch with my puppy. I throw the ball. Lulu catches it and sits down. And she just sits there and stares at me like, are you gonna come get this ball, lady? That's not how you play fetch, right? But how often do we do that in our relationship with God? 
we say we want friendship with Jesus and then we pull a Lulu and we sit down and we passively let God do all the work of building a relationship with us. Or how about when we buy into the idea that we can be close to God simply by being in relationship with someone who's close to God? Because truthfully, it can feel easier, safer even, to let the professionals, the pastors, the ministry leaders, to let those guys do the work of seeking God and then tell us what he said. I mean, the Israelites did it. The Israelites decided that it was better that Moses be the guy to go and speak to God and then come back and tell them what God said rather than go to the mountain and hear from God directly. Some days I do it. Some days I walk in this building and what I really want deep down inside is for Pastor Jamie to walk up and be like, Gwen, spending time with God this week and he said you need to do this with the twins and you need to pray this prayer over your marriage and you need to do this thing with your finances. How easy would that be, right? And that sounds good at first. But if we take a step back and really look at what I'm saying, what I'm actually saying is that I want someone else to do the work of seeking God, but I wanna gain the benefit. Kinda like this. Imagine what would happen if tomorrow I go into the gym and instead of getting on a treadmill, I find somebody who's running and I stand beside them as they run. And I just stand there, just watching them run. And they're gonna be like, what are you doing? I'd be like, duh, I'm working out because you're running and I'm standing next to you, so it's like I'm running too, right? And then they're gonna laugh in my face because that is not how working out works, right? But sometimes we do that with God. I can't sit back and expect my relationship with Jesus to deepen because somebody else is seeking him any more than I can go and stand beside the treadmill and expect to suddenly be healthy because somebody else is running. Friends, Father God has an incredible invitation to intimacy with us today. Intimate friendship, an invitation to be active participants and not passive onlookers in our relationship with him. And his promise, you've already heard it before, but his promise is that when we seek him, we will find him. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. When we seek him, we find him because his greatest desire is that he would give us himself. In fact, in Luke 11, Jesus goes on to say, fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to get good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us himself. Guys, the invitation is out there. It is for you. So whether you're accepting it for the first time today or for the hundredth time, let today be a day when you accept God's invitation to intimacy. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Give these guys a... A little bit more praise. Come on. Awesome job. Thank you all so much. I, I believe and I hope that God had something for you today. I hope there was something in your heart, something that you grabbed, something that you're going to take away out of here today. I know for me, there were so many different words that were shared and I just, you know, hearing the Lord for myself is so powerful and seeking God. There was just a common theme of seek. I mean, we did that on purpose, seeking the Lord and seeking him with all your heart and the Lord is seeking you and, and we're, there's this relationship of seeking this, this desire to seek and find him and 
It, I love that it said, it, as we ended, it said, everybody who seeks, everybody who knocks, everybody, everybody. It's not like, oh, certain people or the ones that are, have it all right or have it together or know how to say it right. No, 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 no. Sometimes the best prayer is like, God, I don't know what to do. God, help me. I was at the gym on Thursday and I uh, worked out. I went in and my workout partner was late. I've been late to him, for him a lot, so he got me back. Traffic was bad. Come on, Knoxville traffic's terrible, somebody. He moved out to Maryville, so he doesn't have any compassion on us in Knoxville anymore. Um, but I'm working out on the Stairmaster, and I had my cell phone right there up on the Stairmaster, and uh, was looking at that, and then we were texting back and forth. Then finally, he got there, and uh, I got up the Stairmaster, and went, and we had about an hour and a half workout. And at the end of that workout, I'm going, and I'm getting some water, doing whatever, and I'm like, I get to my locker, and I'm like, man, oh, my cell phone. And I lost, I, I'm like, oh, I left it on the Stairmaster. I left it on the Stairmaster. I run to the Stairmaster, and I start looking at the Stairmaster, and I'm like, it's, it's nowhere on the Stairmaster. I'm like, okay, okay, there's no way. I know I left it right here, and we start talking about who, when I texted him, and if I had my phone out, and I mean, I, and, 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 and in about 30, 30 minutes, uh, we've got the whole desk clerk, all the staff at the desk. We've got everybody. I'm calling my wife. I, I can't find my phone anywhere. I've retraced my steps. There's nowhere to be found. I'm like, oh, I'm panic mode, full on panic mode. I'm calling my wife. I said, hey, do find my phone. Do find my phone right now. Because I was like, my phone's about to die. Could you just, and see, she's like, it's still in the building. She was at lunch with a, with a friend of ours. And she's like, it's still in the building. So now I'm walking around looking at people. <laughs> it's in the building. There's phones, there's phones on the ground where other dudes who didn't lose their phone have the, their phone right there by where they're working. I'm like, is this your phone? Is this your phone? And, and I'm getting the girl uh, giving an announcement. Hey, we lost a cell phone. I'm like, who would steal a phone? People at the gym have some discipline. They, they're probably good people. Like, like who's still a phone? I can't get into my phone. I mean, I go upstairs, downstairs. I'm checking, I'm checking in. I'm, I'm, I'm checking everywhere. The guy, now I've got the manager of the entire gym with me. We're walking. He's like, did you go to the bathroom? I'm like, no. He's like, we find phones on toilet paper rolls all the time. I'm like, no, I didn't, I didn't go to the bathroom. We're going over, and we walk back over to the Stairmaster. We're standing by it. There's a girl on it at this point. And we're both standing there looking around the bottom of the Stairmaster. She's looking at us like, you guys are weirdos. And we're having to apologize. Ah, we're, not, we're not weirdos. We're not watching you walk. <laughs> We're actually looking for a cell phone that was lost. Desperation began to kick in. We began to go into different rooms and shout, hey, have you found my mode of communication? I began to employ people to help me because I was desperate because that's how I communicated. That's where my life was on a phone. My passwords, the, the function of my daily you know, existence is on that phone. My question is, how desperate are you to reconnect communication to the Father? How desperate am I to say, you know what, I need to get my friends, my, my co-workers, my family, my church community involved in helping me get communication again connected to heaven? How desperate am I to not move on when I know there's such a God that wants to hear from me and talk to me and seek me out? How desperate am I to seek him? I do it for a phone. I'm tearing a gym apart. Stalking strangers. Do you know you look kind of crazy when you don't have a line of communication to the Father? 
A lot of times you look like you're going in circles. I look like I'm going in circles at times when I've lost my ability to communicate. And I just want, if anything today, just get it into your heart that he wants to talk to you. That the mountains can move, the scenarios can change, but ultimately the goal is that we would seek him and find him. He's not playing hide and go seek with you. And if he was, he'd be like a good parent that would stick their foot out and make a lot of noise (laughs) so that you could find him. And today, maybe you feel like he's silent. Maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're going through something you need delivered from. Maybe you need a mountain moved. He's just one knock away. One prayer of help away. I want to pray for you that your faith would rise up today and that mountains would move, not because of our strength, but because there's a God that can be found when we seek him and he's actively seeking you. Come on, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for those online watching. Thank you for those in the room. Thank you for our families, our children, Lord, our, our, our destinies, our callings. Lord, but ultimately, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your promise that if we seek you, we find you. If we do it with all of our heart, we, we come to know you, that we can get on the same frequency. You sent your son, Jesus, to give us the scriptures. You sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. You said that you're an ever-present help in time of need, not only in time of need, in time of joy, in time of suffering, in time of want, in, time, in every time you're present, God. That you're here to encourage, comfort, call us, speak to us, direct us uh, in, our, in, in every season and facet of life. Lord, if any communication has been disconnected from you today in anyone's life, Lord, mine included, would you please help us to be desperate enough to employ our family and our friends and our workout partners and the store clerks and everybody around, whatever it takes to get the line of communication going again with you. Let us not be intimidated to shout, we need our phone. Let us not be hindered until we reconnect that communication with you again today because our life, our breath is in that talking to you. Many of us in this room don't have the resource to solve the problems we need solved. We don't don't have the resource emotionally. We don't have the resource financially. We don't have the resource to help that person that's dying of cancer, to see that person that's in an addiction set free. We don't have the resource to bring our kids out of the mud sometimes. We don't have the resources, God, the prayer needs and the facets of what this planet needs. We don't have it, but you do, God. And you've offered an open portal to heaven through your son, Jesus. So we thank you that thy kingdom would come and thy will would be done through us just talking to you today. Again, in our weakness, Lord, we boast and we thank you your strength is made perfect. I pray for anybody going through something right now that you would give them faith to move mountains today. Who are you, O mountain? That you give them faith to leave here and question mountains and call mountains into question and begin to speak grace to their situations whatever it might be. And Lord, the situation might not change, but our hearts and perspectives can. I pray for you today. I pray anybody in this room that maybe isn't walking with Jesus fully. Maybe you served God years ago or you went through some suffering and you walked away. Maybe you've been in a silent season and you're like, I don't even know if God exists. Maybe you, maybe you just need to have a fresh start with God. Maybe you're watching online right now and you know you need a fresh start with God today. Every week we give people an opportunity to just have a fresh start. Maybe it's for the first time or maybe it's for the hundredth time. I don't know. But you don't have to fix yourself, clean yourself, or figure it all out yourself. The Bible says that Jesus came to this planet, lived perfect, and then went to a tree and died a horrific death, shed blood, was annihilated, for our mistakes, our pain, our guilt, all the things that we're ashamed about and we want to bury or cover up, all of that he died for. 
publicly, shamed publicly so we wouldn't have to be. Gave his all. And the Bible says if you would just trust him, that he did that as your leader and your Lord, that you get a fresh start with God. I'm not going to embarrass you today or make you come forward or stand you up or anything like that, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your hand up to me in a minute. Maybe you know that's you. Maybe you know you need a fresh start with God. Maybe you've been hesitant because you didn't think you were clean enough or good enough. You don't have to be. Maybe you're hesitant because you thought that you, you just, God left you, abandoned you. Maybe you went through something so painful. You're like, I don't even know how God could exist. He's got you through it and he's brought you this far. Maybe you just need a fresh start today. I want to pray for you. If you're watching online right now and you know you need a fresh start, would you just type in fresh start? I need a fresh start with God. Jesus didn't stop on the cross. He didn't stop with death. He rose from the dead to give you life, to give you leadership, to give you direction, to give you hope and purpose, to give you eternity with a good father. Maybe you need that fresh start today if you just type in fresh start. And then if you're in this room, no one looking around just for another second. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need a fresh start today. I know I need my life to be turned over and surrendered to God. Whether you walked with him for 10 years and you've been away or maybe today's day one. Would you put your hand with me? Pray for me. I need a fresh start with God today. Lift it up high. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your honesty and courage. I see that, young man. Come on, I see that hand. I see, I see that. God bless you. God bless you. I need a fresh start with God. I can't do this on my own. Come on, church, people all across this room saying, I need Jesus. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time, but Lord, afresh again today, we need you. We need you and what you did on that cross for us. This planet, Lord, is beyond human help. Lord, my situation is beyond human help. If human ingenuity could have done it, it would have been done by now. Holy Spirit, we need you to work in our hearts and in our life and through our lives. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If you put your hand up, just pray this prayer with me right now. It's just a prayer of surrender. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, we believe that you went to that cross. You went to that tree. You lived a perfect, sinless life like none of us could. And then you took all of my sin and all of my mistakes and all my guilt and all my shame and you nailed it to a tree. I repent from that life. I turn from those sins. I turn from my own strength and I trust what you did on that cross. You gave me your life. You rose from the dead and you gave me your spirit, your life, your heart. Fill me today. Give me the power to serve you and live for you the rest of my days in fellowship and connection to a heavenly father until I see you face to face in Jesus mighty name. Come on, let's give God a huge shout of praise in this place. People all over this room and online saying yes to God. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.